Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. As always, I'm your host, Khurram Shamim. Wow, can you guys believe it? It's already 2023. So this is actually the first official episode of the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast in the year 2023, which again feels weird to be saying out loud because I swear it feels like just, I don't know, like a while ago it was 2020 and now it's already 2023. Uh, wow, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I guess, you know, Alhamdulillah for those of us who have been able to make it to 2023 and inshallah, we're able to make it to, uh, another year as well. Uh, but man, it definitely feels like 2023 just came really quickly. Uh, and I can't believe it's, I just can't believe it's already 2023. It, again, it felt like just a few <laughs> what months ago or a year ago, it was 2022 or 2020 even, because, well, I mean, with COVID and everything, uh, as I'm sure a lot of you experienced as well, COVID pretty much took out, I don't know, a year or so of a lot of people's lives. But here we are in uh, 2023, and we're into a whole new year. And, uh, you know, hopefully, and inshallah, everyone's year uh, in 2023 goes well, uh, or better than what they expect. Uh, but as always with 2020 or 2023, or I guess the new year, um, there's a lot of celebrations that happen around the New Year. A lot of people celebrate, you know, the New Year's Eve and, you know, in, in Canada, at least during that time, you know, uh, the end of December, beginning of January, it's usually considered, you know, the what you call the holiday season. Uh, and it's a really interesting time. You know, it's a very, very interesting time because basically if you work during the holiday season, as I did, unfortunately, nothing gets done. No one does any work. No one shows up to work. And if they do show up to work, they're going to be very lazy because people are very, very uninspired to do their work during the holiday season. And for obvious reasons, right? It's a whole time basically of two weeks, essentially, where people are just preparing for, you know, their vacations, for, you know, the Christmas, New Year's Eve stuff that they're trying to plan to do. And they're just sort of getting into that mood. But this is precisely what I wanted to talk about for uh, today's episode. And, and no, I'm not going to talk about Christmas per se, because obviously as Muslims, we don't really celebrate Christmas. Um, although I'm sure maybe some of you, you know, obviously you know, maybe got invited to Christmas parties or got given gifts, whatever. Uh, I'm not going to talk about any of that or anything like that. If that's what you guys are thinking, what I really wanted to talk about was more or less just my perspectives on seeing people, uh, I guess, celebrate the holiday season, you know, and, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's celebrated the same way in obviously different countries or whatnot. So I will, I guess, be focusing a lot more on, um, you know, the Canadian experience of the holiday season. Um, but, you know, the reason why I want to talk about this, or at least to go over maybe some reflections, and hopefully, again, as I always say in this podcast, to maybe cause you to have some reflections as well as you're listening to the podcast. But one thing I've noticed for sure, and one thing that I think has been a big focus of the holiday season, is the amount of, I guess what you would call, uh, materialism that's exhibited during this time, and, and really how this occurs. Because it's so apparent how much people consume, and just how much people want to consume during Christmas and during the holiday season that really puts a lot of things into perspective. And I'll elaborate this further 
as the episode goes on. And, and I don't think this episode is going to go on for that long, at least not as long as the last episode went for. Um, but again, I'm going to try to go through these things and these details as best as I can. Now, before I get into it, I want to mention, you know, the fact that, and again, I'm not trying to trash on the holiday season. I, I don't want to make it sound like the holiday season is some terrible thing that is, you know, haram or whatnot. Um, and obviously there are aspects of the holiday season that Muslims, we don't participate in. Uh, and I know some people have, you know, their own, uh, you know, ideas in, in terms of Muslims. I know some people uh, are, you know, okay with this or wrong with that. I'm not even bringing any of that up. You know, I, I think that it's important to say that, you know, although, you know, the holiday season is not something we would actively participate in, there is actually quite a few good things that are brought in through the holiday season, specifically in the form of charity. There's a lot of charity that's given. A lot of people I know gave a lot of charity, a lot of, you know, things to their community, uh, community events. That's something that's very big during the holiday season as well. A lot of my friends and a lot of the people I knew, uh, you know, they had large family get-togethers where, you know, they brought all their family together and they had a large family lunch and whatnot. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of helping those in need as well. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I know sometimes as Muslims, we really get into this habit of criticizing the West. It's a thing a lot of Muslims like to do. You go on YouTube, you go on Instagram, you go on social media, a lot of Muslims are criticizing the West. And don't get me wrong, on this podcast, I've criticized the West a lot as well. I've criticized Canada, I've criticized our government, I've criticized a lot of things. But I think we should be careful not to fall into a trap of criticizing people for the sake of criticism. You know, human beings are complicated things. And oftentimes, things are not as simple as we may wish for them to be. It's not usually A to B and that's it. Which is why criticizing the people in power uh, or the big picture, I understand that. You know, criticizing the government or those in power, uh, elected officials, criticizing them is fine. But I don't think we should get carried away with that. And I think that, you know, that's where I would say that I would say the criticism for stuff like the holiday season can be complicated. I'm not trying to criticize people eating dinners with their families. That's not what I'm criticizing or what I'm going to even talk about. Again, what my focus is largely going to be is on the bigger picture stuff related to Christmas or even, again, the holiday season. And obviously, one of the biggest and probably the most well-known traditions for Christmas specifically is a tradition of gift-giving where people buy gifts and then, you know, they give it to others, etc., etc. I don't think it's that complicated to explain, and I don't know why I explained it right then and there, but I did that anyways. There's different parts of the world that probably do celebrate this differently, so again, I will be focusing it on as a Canadian and as someone who grew up in Canada. Um, and of course, you know, these gifts come from a place of, you know, love or appreciation, uh, and they do usually come from, at least what I understand, uh, from a place of genuinely trying to buy the person a gift or trying to thank them for something. Um, but, you know, the real question or, or the real, I guess, issue that I've always had with gift giving is more to do with the actual buying of the gifts than the gifts themselves. And this really leads to what I want to talk about in terms of the commercialization 
of the holiday season because I feel like it's become so evident that it almost feels like, or, you know, it kind of is entrenched into the holiday season. You know, here in Canada, and I'm sure in much of, you know, the world, businesses will often use the holiday and celebrations as basically these moments where they try to sell more product or advertise their sales. It's usually, I would say, uh, around, you know, the end of November and the beginning of December where you really start to see this huge rush uh, at many shopping malls, retails, and retail stores, and just stores in general. And it's honestly, it's, it's kind of amazing. It's kind of amazing to watch it from a Muslim point of view. And, and of course, you know, to be fair, you know, during Eid, and you know, the lead up to Eid, you know, during Ramadan and whatnot, there's busy stuff for Muslims at, you know, shopping malls and, you know, at malls and whatnot, for sure. Like, don't, don't get me wrong, right? Like, we're guilty of it too. Not that it's anything wrong to go to a shopping mall, but, you know, we're guilty of having to, you know, crowd malls and whatnot. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is kind of amazing, you know, to see so many people during this specific time you know, every single year buying gifts, probably for the same people too, right? Like the people they bought gifts for last year, it's probably the same people that they're buying the gifts for this year. So it's not like this is something brand new. It's like they're just buying gifts again. And again, I don't mean to shame anyone. I'm not trying to shame people who do buy gifts. I'm not trying to shame anyone. But you can't help but notice, or at least I feel, that you can't help but notice you know, the huge impact that items and buying things have on society, or more specifically, on our society. In in some ways, you know, you can argue, uh, and of course, you're free to disagree with me on this, but in some ways, you can argue that much of society, and this isn't necessarily from a fault of, of their own, has really linked a sense of happiness or a sense of, you know, of joy to really owning material things. And and this is not groundbreaking stuff by any means. I'm definitely not the first person to have said this. Uh, I'm sure there's tons of way smarter people that have more eloquently put that. But I do think that when I, I was kind of viewing all this, I was thinking, man, how many things can one person buy for pretty much, again, the same people or even in general for people? And, you know, I guess guess like I guess have sort of this material gain that people have and have joy from that as well and I I don't know it's it is somewhat weird I guess to see how much of a rush there was because it just is bizarre to think about how many people at the same time basically need so many things and you know I think to put this more into perspective a, a, a good way or at least one way that I found and you know, there's probably other ways to look into this, but I thought a good way to look into this was the statistics on holiday shopping. Um, and unfortunately, of course, the, the statistics, sorry, for 2023 are not out, or sorry, 2022, I should say, not 2023, 2022 are obviously not out because it just happened. So the most recent one that I could find was from this company called Deloitte, which is an accounting firm, uh, and they released these uh, figures on holiday spending during 2021. So they're about a year old, um, but nonetheless, I thought are quite relevant. And so I'm just going to go through those statistics to really get a better understanding of 
just how much does do Canadians spend, and of course this will be focused on Canada, how much do Canadians actually spend during the holiday season? So in 2021, spending during the holiday season actually bounced back from uh, bounced back from the previous year and much closer to the average uh, as to how much Canadians spend, uh, with a total of $1,841 for shopping. Uh, and so, of course, during the pandemic in 2020 uh, and in the previous Christmas uh, holiday, it was obviously much lower because of the fact that the pandemic really changed the way that a lot of people did their shopping. But in 2021, the average holiday spending was around $1,841 for an average Canadian. So that's not like an average family, that's just an average Canadian. Of that, 66% of the people who uh, spent the money paid their spending through credit card and on credit, which is a substantial amount. $1,841 on credit adding on to people's expenses to stuff like mortgages, to food, to, um, you know, I don't know, just gas, uh, heating, whatever, $1,841, that's a lot of money. 30% of consumers, uh, to continue, 30% of consumers said that they shopped online once a week, uh, with many consumers obviously attempting to get away from Amazon's gravitational pull because Amazon basically conquered the online shopping mall, if you want to call it that. But a lot of people are trying their hardest to get away from Amazon because people probably don't like Amazon for other reasons as well. But I don't want to paint a bad picture here. Again, I want to be fair. And to be fair, I will bring up the fact that charity was also a big component during the holiday season with an average of $153 being spent per consumer. So $153 per consumer is pretty good. I mean, that's a, a, a substantial amount of money, I would say. Of course, it didn't go into what people spent money on in terms of the charity, but nonetheless, $153 per consumer, that's not terrible. And, you know, I think that really looking into those numbers, obviously, a lot of people spend a lot of money. $1,841 is a substantial amount of money. And again, this goes back to what I was talking about, about how a mall can be so busy. I think $1,841 spent proves and basically explains how it can be busy. Canadians spend a lot of money during the holiday season. And, you know, I, I was bringing this up, I guess, just a few minutes ago, but I'll bring it up again. You know, I was at the mall recently uh, at the time of actually recording this podcast and also, you know, previously during the holiday season. And I just remember, again, thinking, you know, my, my mall that actually is near my house, it's, it's a decently sized mall. It's not too big, but it's not too small. It's not too fancy, but it's not not fancy. It's a good, decent sized mall. And it was packed. It was packed during the holiday season, just completely packed. I, I just remember there were so many people there. And you know, usually the mall is busy, but it's not that busy, right? I, I just remember sitting there thinking, like, how can there be so many people that need to buy things? Like, really, how can there be so many people? I've never seen so many people in my life, in my town. You know, not all at once, at least. And yet at the mall, you really see just how many people are actually active and need to buy things or need to get this or need to get that. You know, and and my mall, like I said, is a fairly decent-sized mall. And it was fully packed. 
I can only imagine how how packed some of the bigger malls around the country or even, you know, around my, uh, you know, my community, uh, I can only imagine just how jam-packed they really are. And, you know, another thing, and, and this is something that I wish that I could go more into, but I feel like this is not something that really we have time to get into, but it is something interesting to think about, is really the secularization of Christmas. Uh, and more specifically, you know, the celebrations of that kind of surround Christmas. Because, you know, traditionally speaking, at least, there are actually a lot of religious celebrations that people do do, or that do, in fact, over Christmas and the holiday season. But I feel like you don't really see as much of them as much, uh, or you don't really hear people talk about them as much. And I think really this is largely due to the fact that the secularization of Christmas and I'm not speaking out towards that. I'm not speaking for or against it. But I'm just saying, for a fact, the secularization of Christmas has been a huge component, in my opinion at least, as to how that's changed. You know, it's it's almost as if, you know, the religious aspects of the celebration or of the time have been replaced with capitalistic celebrations, which are rather than, you know, religious celebrations where you do prayer or, you know, you follow religious teachings or whatnot, it's more become about celebrating capitalism and celebrating buying and selling goods because of the fact that that's what, I guess, to some degree, uh, and again, you can feel free to disagree with me on this, but to some degree, people have replaced those religious celebrations with just the idea of consuming and buying things. And... I think with that being said, and with that kind of perspective, I think it's almost interesting for Muslims, for us to maybe judge ourselves for a second as well, right? And I'm not trying to say that there's been some secularization of anything with Islam. Uh, that's not what I'm. What my point is here. My point here is more about the spending, about how much we spend, how much we consume, how much do we actually need versus how much do we actually take, right? Like, there's always that old saying, there's two things, there's a want and there's a need. A want is something that you desire, but a need is something that you, well, you need to survive. I guess I shouldn't use the word in the description, but nonetheless, you know, a need is like life or death. But a want is something that you could probably live without, but you might go and get it anyways. And I, and I think that really it is almost interesting to think about how we sort of decide on what we want or what we need. And, you know, with that being said, I'm sure there's going to be some people that are going to say, well, no, you know, Muslims aren't like that. We don't do that. That's not how we act. You know, we're Muslim. We're different. But I think we have to carefully look at ourselves when analyzing how not only do we decide on what we need and what we want, but also how others, specifically companies, decide on what we need versus what we want, and how in that process they try to sell us products, or more importantly, how they try to advertise products that we then go out and actually buy. And I think it's important that we understand that advertisers, and especially companies, try to sell items specifically during holidays 
uh, because they know for a fact that we're willing to buy it because, well, it is the holiday seasons, either, you know, during Eid or during, you know, uh, another sort of celebration if you're going to a wedding or whatever, or even, you know, in comparison to people during the holiday season when they're trying to buy things because of the fact that, well, it's the holiday season. Case in point, and this is one from my own experience, but I remember one time going through some flyers. And for those of you who don't know what a flyer is, uh, a flyer is essentially a, um, you know, an advertisement or, uh, you know, a piece of paper that's put into a newspaper that basically uh, is, you know, advertising a sale for a company, whatever, right? Essentially, I was going through the newspaper and I found some flyers. Um, and, you know, I remember being surprised because there in front of me was an advertisement from a grocery chain, uh, one that wasn't, you know, a Muslim grocery chain. It was just like a, a generic grocery chain here in Canada, just one of those big supermarket type of grocery chains. And they were having an advertisement for Ramadan. I just remember sort of, I guess, being surprised. And, and there wasn't anything haram in it, right? Like they weren't like selling pork 50% off during Ramadan. It wasn't something like that. But it was a Ramadan advertisement. And I remember sort of laughing and being like, what is going on right now? Because it just seems so bizarre. You know, the first thing is that, of course, Ramadan is a whole month. And to be fair, the advertisement, if I remember it correctly, came before Ramadan actually officially started. So there's something to note there as well. For example, the fact that they know when Ramadan starts. They pay attention to that kind of stuff. But regardless, I just thought it was so funny because, again, like I never expected that in my life and I've never seen that in my life, but now I guess that's a thing. And then also, it also was, I guess, unexpected because, as I mentioned, it explains a lot on how much research some of these companies do. You know, it, it really is kind of interesting. Like, you would not think of it because, again, like, I'm not used to seeing supermarkets advertise to Muslims specifically. I've seen them advertise to, you know, Christians for Christmas. I've seen them advertise, you know, during Hanukkah, uh, during, you know, other cultural celebrations. But Ramadan, that's a new one. That's That one was a new one, and I didn't expect it. And it was so bizarre, I guess, to look at it as well. And also because of the fact that they were, of course, advertising all the things that they know that you want to buy during Ramadan. So what did they have? They had dates on sale, of course. They had a whole variety of dates that they had on sale. I think there was, um, you know, snacks that were on sale because I think they assumed that during Ramadan you're going to want snacks and just other stuff as well, like tea, cookies, all these kind of stuff that were on sale because they know those are the kind of things that you're going to buy because they know that's the kind of things that you eat during Ramadan as well. So again... Sort of interesting to think about how much do those companies actually know about us because they are trying to advertise and sell their product to you. So they must know something and that's why they chose those specific products. And even if you Google search it actually, if you go on Google search up Eid sales and whatnot, you'll actually find some companies. At least the last time I did it, I did find some on my own. Uh, I don't know if you will as well, but I found, I think it was like Walmart. Uh, they had this old thing for like an Eid sale. And I thought, again, that's so funny because like Walmart, Walmart is like the most American store I can think of. It is so American. You just sort of associate it with the United States of America and just, you know, the, you know, the Southern United States with, 
you know, these, you know, Southern Americans and going to Walmart and buying cheap products and whatnot. But nonetheless, you know, Walmart had one. And, and again, that was just so bizarre because you just don't expect it. But again, these companies know. They know when we celebrate. They know what we buy. And they know how to sell to us. And so that's why I ask that, you know, listen, sales are great. I am not judging anyone. I'm not shaming anyone. Again, none of this is to shame anyone. But I'm just saying sales are great. Getting a good deal is great. And focusing on that could, and is it possible if focusing on that, could that bring bigger issues for us as a community, as a Muslim ummah? Could there be bigger problems that we might open ourselves up to by allowing ourselves to sort of being drawn into these sales and this commercialization that is so common due to uh, these companies. Now, there are actually some great studies uh, looking into how advertisers and companies essentially try to influence our thoughts and desires subtly, because they're going to try to do this subconsciously in ways that you may not realize it, but nonetheless are effective. And there's a lot of studies on this, and I'm not going to obviously get into any of or a lot of them uh, because of the fact that, well, you know, I'm not an expert and because we don't have time unless you want a podcast that's about like eight, actually not even eight hours. It'd be like a whole podcast would just have to be focused on that and that alone, which I don't think that's what you signed up for. So that's not what we're going to do. But I did find one short article that went over that. And, you know, I think it's interesting to at least share. And so the article goes into uh, this book, and it, it basically talks about this one section of a book called uh, Descartes' Error. Uh, and it's by this professor called Antonio Damasio, uh, and he's a professor of neuroscience at the University of so Southern Ca uh, California. And he essentially argued that emotion is a necessary ingredient in most of our decisions, specifically the emotions that we have attached from previous experiences and then attach themselves to opinions that we are considering. These emotions then create preferences that lead to our decisions. Now, I know some of you are thinking, basically this is saying that emotions are important, and some of you probably said, duh, which is fair, but I think the larger point that is being made here is that we basically have these emotions and that we attach them to things that are real, you know, emotions are basically just these sort of thoughts, experiences, or you, know, you could say chemical things that happen within our brains, or these psychological sequences that we have attached to things. But what essentially the point of, you know, the, the book, or I think what, you know, the part of the book that was mentioned in the article, I think the point is to say that really, we often think that when we don't like something, we don't like it because, oh, I think this is bad about it, that's bad about it. But really, it could just be that we had a bad experience with that product that then attached itself to our understanding of what we want and what we need and what we don't want and what we don't need either. And, you know, many different psychological studies have also found similar conclusions, with a common theme revolving around consumers using our emotions and our personal feelings toward brands rather than information. Customer loyalty, or the idea of what a good brand, quote-unquote, is key to people's understandings of good or bad advertisements. And this is an interesting quote that I found that goes as the following. 
A brand is nothing more than a mental representation of a product in the consumer's mind. Again, meaning that certain people can be attracted to brands in the same way that they are attracted or more accepting of certain types of people based on characteristics or emotions. And so I think that that's really interesting to think about. You know, it's, it's very common and quite simple for many advertisers to use these tricks by appealing to these emotions or these attachments that we have to certain things based on our emotions to make us buy their products. And, you know, if I can easily Google search this, I'm sure a lot of advertisers can as well. So you know for a fact that that is a reality when it comes to advertisement, that they are trying to sell you a product or that, you know, for the most part, they are trying to get you to think a certain way. And so maybe the next time you are watching your television or you're watching an ad on YouTube or whatever, maybe it is important to think, not just what is the product showing me, but why is the advertiser showing it to me in this specific way and what are they trying to get from me? Are they trying to get me to buy the product or are they just simply trying to get me to think about the product? Or maybe to show a specific thing that they know that I'm emotionally attached to. I don't know. Maybe something to focus on. And again, this isn't to say that advertisements are evil. They're not evil. They're just not as, I guess, innocent as some of us may think they are. And of course, living in capitalist societies, especially in Western countries, it can be so easy to get caught up in the buying and selling of products since it's so heavily emphasized in our day-to-day lives. And that's another thing by the way, to be looking at when we're reading advertisements, as well as to understand what advertisements are trying to tell us, right? Because they're wanting us, and and by they, I mean the companies, not like some hidden government Illuminati force. They, as in the companies, they're just trying to get us to sell or trying to get us to buy their products. And, And of course, you know, there's nothing wrong with the sale. It's not like there's anything haram with the sale, But I think it's important for us to look at when we're buying things as to what is going on. Like, are we consciously buying something because we absolutely need it? Or are we just getting caught up in sort of this capitalistic buying and selling attitude? This need to, you know, buy the newest phones or newest electronics or newest, you know, whatchamacallits and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera, right? I think it's important to take a step back and maybe take into consideration why we're doing certain things. And, you know, by doing so, I, I personally have tried this and, you know, it can be helpful. You really get a maybe a better understanding of just what your consuming or consumer habits are like. Uh, because, again, it is so easy to get caught up. And everyone around you is buying and selling things or getting the newest deal or buying this and, you know, getting, you know, this much off. And you just sort of feel like you got to get involved, too, because everyone's getting such good deals. But I think it's important for us to just remember that at the end of the day, you know, these capitalistic attitudes, this need to buy things, materialism at its finest, is not something that necessarily is good for us as Muslims and especially not necessarily good for our spiritualities either. You know, it's like I mentioned before, right? Like it's 
again, it is my opinion, you can feel free to disagree with me, but it is, at the end of the day, almost as if we are finding our happiness through just the material and consuming of the goods that we have. And I think to get a good picture of this, and to maybe really understand uh, the, I guess, the issues or, you know, the problems that come with uh, this sort of, I guess, overconsumption, is to look at what is called municipal solid waste. And municipal solid waste, I guess, to put it simply, is basically just garbage. Not, it isn't garbage, as in, like, the term isn't garbage, but it literally refers to actual garbage. Municipal solid waste is basically, you know, the recyclables and compostable materials uh, that is garbage from households, businesses, institutions, and construction and demolition sites. It, of course, does not include anything that is radioactive garbage, and it does not include anything that is medical garbage either. Those are two different things. This only refers to the everyday garbage that we have, things like plastics, you know, tissue papers, etc., whatever. That's all that this refers to. And the reason why I wanted to go into this was because I think maybe a good way to take into perspective what consumption habits are or excess consumption habits are is to look at how much we waste. Now, of course, these are not directly correlated because there's other factors to look into. But nonetheless, I do think maybe, just maybe, it's important for us to at least go into some of these statistics or details. Now, unfortunately, the only the, the most recent statistics that I was able to find in relation to this and in relation to Canada was were, were from 2016. So, yeah, uh, I, I know it's it's a f well, it's it, wow, it's actually seven years ago. Wow, seven years ago is 2016. Bizarre thought, um, but nonetheless, it's from seven years ago. So it is a bit outdated, but nonetheless, again, I keep saying nonetheless it is still something important to, I think, at least go over. So, statistically speaking, in 2016, Canada produced a total of 34 million tons of waste, with 9 million, or 27% of that waste, being used for recycling, uh, and, and an overwhelming and unfortunate amount, 25 million of the 34 million tons, which is 73% of the waste, were sent to disposable at landfills and incineration facilities. So that's 27% were actually reusable, but 73% of waste in Canada was sent to disposables, or were sent for, I guess, you know, to be destroyed at landfills, where they're not really destroyed, they're sort of just buried or they're burnt, which creates other problems down the road as well. And so of the 34 million tons of waste, 31% is from non-degradable material, and 28% was from food waste alone, and 10% was from paper waste. So think about this, 34 million tons, 28% of that 34 million was food alone. That's a lot. That's a lot. There's a lot of hungry people in this world, a lot of people that are starving, and 28% of our waste was food. That just feels like it's way too much. And then in addition, 10% of that 34 million was paper waste. And I'm sure 
the paper probably does get recycled, so maybe that sort of offsets some of that as well. But of the 31% of uh, of the 31% of items that were non-degradable, 13% were plastics. So like I mentioned before, 31% of the 34 million tons of waste were non-degradable. Of the 31% of items that are non-degradable, 13% were from plastics. Approximately 70% of residential waste in Canada is degradable and will produce methane when disposed of in landfills. For those, for those of you who don't know, methane is, of course, a greenhouse gas that traps heat within the Earth's atmosphere and amplifies the warming of the Earth's temperature as well. And of course, Earth's temperature, warming up, global warming, you see why that's, this is a problem, right? If you constantly increase the heat within the Earth and you increase the temperature within the Earth, bad things happen because global warming sucks. And it sucks real bad. And, you know, large amounts of waste is a large contributor of global warming as well. And then lastly, this is the last point here, but from 2002 to 2018, Canada's total amount of solid waste generated, uh, or the amount of waste that we produced, increased by 4.8 million tons. Meaning, from 2002 to 2018, our total amount of waste in this country increased by 4.8 million tons. That's a lot. We should take these numbers seriously. We should take them into consideration. We should try and understand them as best as we can. And one of the things that stood out to me, of course, was that, you know, of the 34 million tons, 28% was from food waste. And I really, really hope that that food that is being wasted is food that is basically not edible. That is the main thing to me that stood out to me a lot. And I'm sure there's other things that are important as well, plastics, non-degradable items, but the amount of food waste and knowing just how many people there's hungry that are in the world, you got to admit that kind of stings a little. It's kind of upsetting, maybe a bit disappointing as well to know how much food is wasted on a yearly basis in one country alone and then also knowing just how many people are starving. Again, consuming is fine, but maybe it's time, or maybe it is also a good idea for us to second guess sometimes how much we are willing to consume, how much we are willing to take, and how much we are willing to essentially, uh, you know, make our own. Or how much we are willing, you know, to have as a want rather than a need. And this is where I think when we are celebrating things like Eid or maybe even just going to a wedding, I think it's important to have a second thought or a second guess even. You know, it's maybe to truly ponder or to truly think about, do I really need this? Do I really need to use this or do this? Now, I'm not trying to say to people not to have big weddings or anything. Go have your wedding however you want. It's your wedding. Do it however you want, as long as it's a halal. Don't do any haram things or stuff like that. That's not what I'm encouraging so that people don't come after me. I'm just saying do whatever is halal, but do it right and do it however you want because it's your wedding or whatever, you know, Eid even, 
right? Go celebrate Eid as much as you want, but obviously do it in a halal way because, you know, sometimes people misunderstand what you're trying to say. So just to be sure and just to be clear so that I don't get wrong misunderstandings, people should celebrate. But at the same time, I don't think it's a bad thing to maybe have a chance to think about, do I really need to do this? Or do I really need to buy this many things? You know, how many of the things that you buy are actually going to be used? You know, if you know that your friends or something don't want to eat a cake, then don't buy the cake, right? Or, you know, you know that there's a X amount of people that are coming and you think that just to be safe, I'm going to buy three times how much I need. No, don't do that. Don't do three times because what's the benefit in that? Nothing. You're just buying and consuming more. And the more you consume, the more waste you produce and the bigger of a consequence that waste has on the rest of our lives. I think that, you know, these are small acts, obviously, right? Like this is not, these are just small acts of, you know, of, of, of us holding back essentially, but I think that on a, on, a, on a personal note, that these simple acts or simple acts like these are very powerful. You know, I think they're very powerful because they present an opportunity for us to, you know, to actually have some change, to actually cause some change, or at least to have a second guess, to have self-reflection. And I've always said no one was ever hurt with a little bit self-reflection. Right? No one's ever been hurt by reflecting on what they're doing, on whether or not what they're doing is good. There's no such thing as bad self-reflection. There isn't. It's just you taking a time to think about what you're doing. Am I doing what's right? Am I doing what's actually good? Am I maybe doing something that's not necessarily bad, but is maybe morally gray? Meaning it's not necessarily good or bad, but it's sort of in the middle. And then you got to ask yourself, should I rather be on the maybe you're good, maybe you're bad side, or maybe should I try to lynch, or I should try to go more towards the good side? But, you know, even then, besides just what my opinion is, we can even look at our own values as Muslims. And I don't think that this is something that, obviously, I don't, I'm not going to lecture anyone on, but we do remember things about stuff like zakat and qurbani, or if you don't understand what I mean by qurbani, basically the you know the ritual sacrifice we make during Eid, both actions, when we really look at them, are centered in the act of giving without any intention of receiving any sort of reward in, in terms of a worldly one, at least. Obviously, we know that there's a reward uh, for giving zakat and qurbani, but we're not necessarily getting one in the physical world, right? We're not getting one immediately. Maybe you might get some praise, but even then, that in itself uh, can be good and bad. But we're not getting any sort of, you know, worldly or physical gain. And not only, you know, are, are these entirely counter to stuff of consumption, but they're focused on ensuring that we have less so that others can have more. They're focused entirely on this idea of, yeah, I could probably consume this, but I'm not going to. I'm going to give it to someone else. I'm going to give it to the less fortunate. I'm going to give it for someone else's benefit rather than my own. And I think that when we really look at these values, they are important components to Eid and to Islam in general, meaning that 
we maybe should be more careful in our acceptance of stuff of capitalism or overconsumption or even, you know, to a larger degree, the materialism within modern society and to a large part through most of our lives. And, you know, I'm even sitting here in my room using a pretty good mic. I have a, you know, a MacBook. I have some pretty good technology. I have a phone. I have a monitor all these kind of things. And, you know, at the same time that as much as, you know, I'm grateful for them, I don't need any more than just this. I just needed, you know, one mic. I don't need multiple ones. I just need one computer and that's it, right? Again, I don't want to sound like I'm lecturing anyone, but I can't help but think that there's certain values that Islam really puts into us that if anything, you know, it's, it's, somewhat, somewhat, maybe it is, but it's somewhat hypocritical to be partaking in the acts of giving without understanding maybe the core message that we're trying to be taught. And which, of course, and again, in just my opinion, is the act of giving. There's a lot of temptations in the world, but maybe that is part of the test of the world, or at least for us in our context within the modern Muslims. You know, maybe generations before had different tests, but maybe this is part of our tests in this world. Now, I think this is a good spot to end today's episode. I didn't want to make today's episode too, too long, but I think we've covered a lot of what I really wanted to focus on and to really, I guess, conclude as well uh, this, I guess you want to call season of episodes. Uh, Again, I will be taking a bit of a larger break to sort of Uh, recalibrate and also just sort of plan future episodes as well Uh, because again like I've mentioned I am the only one that makes these episodes I write them I record them I edit them and then I publish them and so really doing it on my own uh, you know it takes up time so yes you know I think this is a good place to end today's episode and I guess this uh, batch of episodes as well Um, and to really summarize this episode the holiday season and most of the celebrations go around it and other things like New Year's and other holidays and celebrations and etc. I'm not trying to shame anyone that celebrates these things or any non-Muslims that celebrate it. I'm just saying that there are things within it that I think we have to really reflect on and look at our own celebrations as well. It's so easy to be caught up in consumer consumerism and, you know, consumeristic ideas, if that's a word, and materialistic world and the materialistic needs that the modern society sort of emphasizes to us. And it can be really easy to just sort of intrinsically put those into our own beliefs and our own celebrations. And all I'm saying is that maybe sometimes we do need to take a second to just reflect on if what we're doing is maybe too much and too consuming. You know, I looked at the, you know, amount of municipal solid waste that is left in Canada, and it is a substantial amount, millions of tons. It's something that really makes you ponder every year that millions of tons of waste are developed, and they're not stored anywhere, really, because you can't really get rid of garbage. You either have to burn it or you have to bury it somewhere, and really, I mean, how many places can you bury it in? So I think that for the most part, I again, I, I hope that you guys did learn from this episode. 
Um, as always, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about the episode or what you thought about the episode. And you can reach out to me on either social media uh, or on um, my Instagram or my... Or actually, it is just social media. Uh, just my Instagram and my Twitter page. My Instagram and my Twitter page, they're both at M-I-Y-B podcast. So that's M-I-Y-B capital and then podcast. Uh, I have, again, both Instagram and Twitter. So feel free to reach out to me on either of those uh, platforms. And as also, if you guys enjoyed today's episode, remember to follow uh, my social media pages as well. I give a lot of updates on the uh, on the podcast and just post on other stuff as well. Um, so remember to follow me and to you know give feedback if you have any. And then also remember to rate and like this podcast episode. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. You can give me your feedback in you know the comments in, in the podcast reviews. And also remember to give it a five-star review so I can continue to making uh, the podcast episodes. And then lastly, and I always ask this as well, if you did enjoy today's episode, please remember that you can share it. Uh, remember to share it with others. I'm sure if you enjoyed it, they would as well. Now, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast episodes that I've covered so far. Um, I think the last the, the last episode that I covered was, of course, on Malcolm X, which I really enjoyed covering as well. I did some other episodes, um, you know, things around, uh, you know, things like the uh, the online hate bill, which was also very interesting to cover. Um, and that's something that actually needs an update on now that I'm thinking about it. And of course, you know, Quebec and Bill 21, which was a huge issue and still is a huge issue, by the way, not been resolved. And, you know, I, I really did enjoy sort of the, I guess, the badge of episodes that I covered. Um, I do hope to kind of focus on making more specialized episodes rather than sort of making, you know, shorter 40-minute episodes. I hope to focus more on producing episodes that are longer and just focus on one thing into more detail, which again also takes more time. So bear patience with me. I will try to get as many podcast episodes out as I can. Uh, But again, regardless, you know, thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and the season of episodes as well. Inshallah.